Following is the last of three special episodes recorded with two former prison inmates who discussed their crimes, prison experiences, and quests for redemption. Listen to their deep introspections and pleas for society to never give up on any human being, including those who have once done the darkest of deeds. Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home every day from there. Things that you see in prison, all kinds of things, some horrible stuff. Guys go into prison and, and just do a bunch of drugs. Are you kidding me? Are there drugs in prison? And if so, Daryl, how does that happen? Well, how does it get in? That's a great question, Gene. And and the, the judicial system would like for you to believe the, the 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 people in the community to believe that that comes in through visitors, and, and it certainly it did. I, I watched okay. women come in with a balloon in their mouth, kiss their husband. Swap the balloon. He swallows the balloon. And you can imagine how that all passes there out, how he gets the drugs out. Yeah. That, but you know okay. what, Gene? That's that many drugs okay, in a community of a thousand people deep for the most part in every institution. But let me tell you, the bulk of drugs always came through officers. Officers didn't make a lot of money. They didn't make much money. And it was a great lucrative side hustle. And when when uh, guys yeah. guys in prison are, are good, I'll tell you, that they're on their A game sometimes. And they will talk an officer into bringing some things in. And, and mass quantities. And that's how I got there. That's just the real deal. That's interesting. Hey, I had a guy in, uh, in my class that I love this guy. He was, you know, I was uh, <coughs> teaching critical thinking, poetry writing, and some guys were really good at both of those. And sometimes they were the same guys that had that, you know, verbal skills. And then one day this guy was gone. And uh, Tommy, this was, this is somebody that, you know, I'm not going to name him, but Uh, He was, I I think you knew him and he was gone. And I said, where is, you know, name the guy. And they said, moved him out yesterday. Just like, boom, they moved him out. They walked in and said, packed your stuff. And he's now no longer here. He's in another prison. And I said, what for? He said, cell phone. Had a cell phone. And it's the second time he was caught with a cell phone. So. Tommy, the same question. Did you ever see a cell phone appear among the inmates? I mean, are they getting smuggled in too? Well, first of all, I'm not going to sit up here and start talking about what goes no, on. No, no. Yeah, I should. I should. That's but, probably but, but, uh, I'm going to answer your question, and I'm going to answer it differently. So I'm going to answer where everybody can get this knowledge that yeah, okay. just gave. So prison is a microcosm. In other words, a smaller aspect of society. Okay. So most of the things, believe it or not, that go on in society are going on in prison. Yeah. But they're going on in different kinds of ways. In other words, uh, people are doing things that people don't, that they're doing on the street. That when yeah. they get an opportunity to do them, they're doing them in prison. But they may be doing them in a perverted way, a corrupt way, but they're doing yeah. them in prison. You know what I'm saying? So I never look for, uh, I never meddled, in other words. In, in other words, I seen what uh, uh, Daryl, 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 Daryl seen 
but I never meddled in anybody's yeah. business because the way that I was brought up inside the prison it was that that was dangerous. You know, and even though I was bigger than most guys, I wasn't going to tempt fate by thinking yeah. that I could just uh, meddle in somebody's business, you know, and not and not nothing happened. And so uh, the, the thing about that is, is that criminal behavior doesn't change because people are in prison. Criminal behavior change when you decide that you don't want to be a criminal. So there's a lot of guys in prison. They're using their constructs every day to uh, uh, come up with different ways and, and different strategies and tactics uh, uh, to, to, to do things in prison to, to try to, uh, they're, they're institutionalized. They want they, then some guys don't ever think they're going to get out. And so yeah. they don't, they, they, they don't think nothing's wrong with getting high and, 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 and doing whatever that they're doing because that's the only thing that keeps them going. Yeah. You see what I'm that's saying? So, you know, so it's, it, they're not going to never get that type of thing out of prison, no prison, because it's always going to be people that, that the prisoners have access to that are going to be amenable, like Daryl said, to uh, uh, helping them do whatever they, whatever they're trying to do. That's just, that's just the reality of the situation. Uh, by the way, Tommy, do in prison, do other inmates know what everybody's in prison for, or do they not know? What's the pro protocol on that? Does everybody know everybody's business or, or do they not? Well, sometimes they do, but most of the times they don't. Most guys are going to lie about, if they have certain type of offenses, they're going to, they're going to lie. Now, okay. me myself, because I was so well-known, everybody knew what I was in prison for. Okay. You know? So I uh, I carried what I was in prison for. It's not a popular crime, you understand, but, you know, when men got to know me, when people got to know me, when officers got to know me, when other inmates got to know me, they respected me by the way I carried myself, Yeah. you know? And so a lot of guys, Daryl will tell you, with certain crimes, they become prey, you know, they be, they, they literally become prey. They, 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 the, the predators in prison, when they find out that you have done something to a child there, you, you have to pay, you have to do certain things to survive in prison, or you go to what they call protective custody, you know? Wow. And so, and so, you know, but, you know, and that's, and that, and the thing about that is, uh, <laughs> that's that's a hard way to do your time you yeah, know yeah. because you know daryl can daryl tell you this and you know we're talking about prison the, the little things that you do have in prison like going to the canteen yeah. being, able to, being able to visit your people on christmas and thanksgiving and easter and and see and you know and be able to you know have some form of normalcy while you're there and your people have but when you can't do that at all it, it it just really works. It's really I never knew how guys would uh, work. they couldn't stay on the yard they, they, for fear. They would fear that the other inmates were going to do something to them. And in a lot of instances, the other inmates were doing something to them. Yeah, you know, and they yeah. weren't strong enough. They weren't strong enough to protect themselves. You know, it's it's sad, but it's it's just the reality of uh, 
that type of vicious environment. And Daryl, you were saying before we uh, came on the air, you and I were having sort of a side conversation about uh, visitation. And I think our listeners would love to know, how does that even work? I mean, when can you get visitors? What's the environment like when you have visitors? Uh, How how often? How, How does, explain how visitation works, please. Well, and so... Each uh, the, the visitation policy has changed quite considerably over the years, Gene. When uh, Tom and I were in there, as you can imagine, there were a little more liberties, uh, a few more liberties than than they are now. Um, if you were able to stay out of trouble and get to meritorious housing, that means that you kept your nose clean, you've done the right things, and you, you have not acquired any disciplinary measures. You could move into meritorious housing, and and the people that live there pretty much were all about trying to get education, trying to get educational good time. They're trying to stay out of the mix and the foolishness, if you will. And so they had a cut above visit, if you will. They had a little bit better visit than general population. So back in the day, we had what was called night visits. We could actually go up in the evening and our family could bring a meal in, sit down in that visiting room with us and share a meal. Wow. Now that sounds unbelievable because you think, man, there's be an opportunity to bring some kind of drug in. And some guys did, some some families did, some wives and girlfriends did, you know, it's just power for the course. You know, it's going to happen. But for general population, there were certain days, a Saturday or Sunday. um, And sometimes during the week you could get, you know, an hour or two visit. Um, Now those visits were very controlled and monitored. There was cameras everywhere. There were officers everywhere. Uh, Your family member could go up to the vending machine, get you a bag of chips, a soft drink, maybe a sandwich. And sit down there. You could hold hands. Um, the old saying by most of the officers was quick kiss when they come, quick kiss when they go, linger too long, and you'll go to the hole. Yeah, and yeah. so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. if you kiss them too long, they're gonna take you out. Yeah. And so, um, but you know, they did make provision for guys to be able to at least visit their families. And and I appreciated that quite a bit because as Tom expressed, you know, I, I can't imagine what doing my time was. Like, would be like without being able to have those sometimes a Christmas visit or a birthday visit or holidays, you know, it, it meant the world. And, and there's something about psychological touch and, and being with family like that, that just enriches your soul in a place like that where you're sequestered and cut off from society. And you, you mentioned phone calls too. Uh, explain how the phone call drill works and does it cost money to get a call or somebody, how's that work? It does. Um, and so let me, let me one real quickly thing I missed on the visits. Uh, it was very strained and stressed on family members and, and people coming in because uh, they had a ton of policies. You couldn't wear open toe shoes. You, you couldn't have a white blouse on if you were a woman and have a bra strap showing you. Uh, they searched your, they pull your pants out and check your panty lines. Uh, they would check what you brought in and you had to bring in a key and some change in a clear transparent bag or purse. And so there was a lot of restrictions. Now, phones, um, and when I was local in LaGrange area for the first 14 years of my incarceration, phone calls were uh, quite an infringement upon my family, uh, $2.50 a call for 15 minutes. Um, you know, and so obviously I wanted to talk to them for an hour, and, and, but I didn't want to impinge upon my family. That's, that's a lot, you know, yeah. uh, in a month's time, it accrues. But I remember when I was transferred from uh, the Luther Luckett Correctional Complex to Eastern Kentucky, and I called my sister and just to let her know that I was transferred. And that call for 10 minutes was $6.25. I told her, I said, sis, I'm three and a half hours from you. I, I don't want you guys to ride up here. It's too long. And I'm not going to be calling, but about once a month. I'm just wow. not going to do that to your economy. 
Yeah. And so I, I think corrections takes advantage of that. It's, it's pretty much a monopoly and uh, it's, it's a huge way to, to, to bank. Uh, Tommy, what's uh, it's just a, kind of a practical thing. What's the food like in prison? Is it, is the, is it cafeteria food? Is it, you know, you're a big dude and could you get the quantities <laughs> you wanted? Tell us how the whole meal thing works and relate that to the commissary. Because it's my understanding that you have an alternative if you can make some money in a job or whatever. Talk to us about that, if you would. So, you know, I got to always keep it real. The food's horrible. Okay. Horrible. Horrible. I have an English master that I love, and I wouldn't feed him. I wouldn't feed him the food that we was eating. I wouldn't feed him Aramark food. I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, and to me, it's inhumane how they feed him because uh-huh. – the they have did they have did studies on the food that they're they're eating now when I was in there and diabetes went up, all kind of health issues went up through the diets that they were feeding those inmates, myself included. I had the, my gallbladder taken out and it was really invasive. I mean, I lost uh, I was uh, I, I went from like 300 pounds and I wasn't getting treatment. I went all the way down to like 215, 220, you know. And I, 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 you know, it, it was just, just, just the mercy of God that I'm even here today, because I wasn't even getting uh, uh, any any kind of treatment at all until this one one woman came in and gave me a radioscope and seen that I need to go, and she made them take me to the hospital, and I was at I was at Sandy Hook when that happened. So, but 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 uh, the the commissary. And the canteen is very important for inmates that can't afford it, their family can't afford it, because uh, most of the commissaries have alternative foods that guys can go. They have canned goods. Uh, they have uh, snack foods and stuff. Some of it's not it's not like on the street, but it's but it beats it beats it, it, it beats the uh, it beats going to the child hall. Some guys don't that, that that can afford it. Their family can really help them. And they got good jobs. They try to eat exclusively from the canteen, and so therefore the canteen makes a lot of money off the the inmates. But the, you know, it's it's really it's they really should look into the food. I, I have to say that I'm not griping. I'm not complaining. I realize people are in prison like I was, but I mean, it's it's terrible. It's terrible. You know. All right, and. Um... By the way, I've referenced this before, and I'm going to hold up this book. This is just for the Facebook Live audience. But uh, one of the guys that was in uh, came to both my classes, who is the editor of Sky Tower, which is a magazine at Kentucky State Reformatory. Um, and this guy's a very bright guy, very literate. And uh, he uh, pr- produced a book of poetry. And uh, he didn't send it to me because as a volunteer, I can't have direct communication with him. And I, I haven't, uh, but there's some other people who are out that know, knew him. And one of them said, Hey, did you hear about this? And showed me the book and, and uh, lent me a copy. So I've uh, looked at it and it has amazing poems in it. And when I taught this poetry writing class, you know, different things ring different guys' bells differently. Some guys, I imagine, go hang out in the gym, lift weights, play basketball, whatever. Some guys might, 
maybe do some music. Someone else might do writing, in this case, poetry writing. But I got to tell you guys something. The po- And I've taught poetry. I'm an educator by trade. And one of the things I did in my career was I was a writing teacher. And I read some stuff that these guys were writing that was, I think, amazingly good by anybody's standards. And the reason I think is, and I wanted to ask you guys reaction to this, <clears throat> is um, poetry comes from powerful feelings. Or uh, Wordsworth, British poet, back in the what 1800s, defined poetry in one sentence. He said it's a powerful overflow of spontaneous feelings recollected in tranquility. So you got this quiet moment, and you remember these powerful feelings, and you write a poem about it. Well, wouldn't you say prison will generate a lot of really powerful feelings, whether it's sorrow, anger, uh, quest for redemption, all kinds of like heavy stuff. And so these guys wrote some great, and he named, he, he walked in this one guy who wrote this poetry book, uh, guy's name is Bob. He wrote a poem called Flowers by the Fences. And I picked it up and read it to the class and I went, damn, dude, this is really good. Because picture this, the fence of the prison, and he's noticing the flowers particularly the ones on the outside of the fence. Yeah, he could go over and stick his fingers through the hole in the fence and touch them, but they were on the outside. But his whole point was, you can put me in this prison and you can do all this stuff for me. And they they told me down at this prison how one day they came in with chainsaws and cut down the remaining few trees that were there. And I went nuts and said, why would they do that? I mean, it, it's it's uh, it's beautiful nature. It's shade, and this one guy's interpretation was, Gene, any way the system can put the hurt on you a bit more, they'll do it. And someone else said, well, you know, afraid somebody. It's a security issue, so there could have been this reason, that reason. Who the heck knows? But anyway, on the poetry stuff, this poem. That beauty, I still have a connection to. If I want to, you can't take that from me. There was great poetry that came out of there. And uh, anyway, I just, uh, that was a class I love teaching because uh, what it was yielding as far as the stuff that I saw. Uh, Do you guys think in closing, and I really appreciate all that you've told us. We've learned a lot tonight about a lot of stuff, including just humanity. Is there any closing thoughts you guys have about what you want people as you go out now in your uh, you know, new lives and talk to people that they should reconsider about? And maybe you've already said it because you guys have said a lot of really good stuff about, you know, how, uh, the differences in men and women and what caused crime and how society should separate out the people who need this kind of correction and these people who need a chance to go out for redemption. You guys be examples of that. Do you have any closing thoughts, Tommy? What do you think? Oh, one of my thoughts is, is that uh, for people to understand 
not to write people off. There's no human write off. So I think we we yeah. get into that at times when we look at people, we look at situations and see see circumstances, and we literally write people off. We, and the reality of it is, however you believe God, in my my in my, my in my belief, God doesn't write you off. You know? And so uh, that's one of the first things I want to want to talk about. The next thing I, I want to say is that you was making the point about the writings of the guy, the poet and yeah. stuff. I did a lot of writing myself and have a lot right. of things that I, I put out on my website. And uh, historically, all through human history, when people have been tormented and oppressed, when people have been put down, when people have uh, uh, had a chance to really think something deep comes out of them. And so God gives people gifts and those people that have those particular gifts, they can look at their situations. I mean, like you were talking about, Daryl knows this. So there's many gifted people in prison. Yeah. You know, there's gifted, there's gifted artists, there's gifted writers. There's guys that have taught themselves. They don't have the formal education, but, but when you see them, write, You'll be astounded by what they can put down on paper. Yeah. It's because they have time to think. They have time to contemplate. They have time to ponder. They have time to meditate. The ones that are doing it, they have time to reflect. They have time to look at their life over and over and over again. They have time to, uh, when you like, as far as even like studying and reading, they have time to go over ideas and 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 and, 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 and look at these ideas and go over them and over them and over them, begin to think about them. And then like with guys like me and Daryl, if in the institution, there may only be a couple, three of y'all, but you have, when you have times like me and Daryl, you have time with another human being ever on a day-to-day basis to communicate and talk about topics that the average person doesn't talk about out yeah. on the street. And so I want, what I want people to understand is about as we go forward in society and, and we talk about prison reform, that's big, that was a big issue, uh, police brutality and all these other issues that are coming up, that, that if things are going to change, each one of us collectively and individually have to dig into ourselves. And if you don't think you have any work to do, then, then you're not part of the process of helping society to go forward. Because uh, there's a scripture, and I love the scripture, Romans chapter 3, that all human beings have fallen short of the glory of God. It didn't say a few, it say some. Each one of us, I know we put these, we put these clothes on ourselves like uh, I'm perfect and I haven't fell short and I have never did nothing. I, and, 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 and there are people that they've never been to prison. They never, they never harmed anybody physically. But have you ever harmed somebody psychologically? Have you ever harmed somebody spiritually and within themselves? You know about so so you know you know it's it's just like the young people today are very sensitive about uh, what I grew up with being called names. You know, like you know I was called. I'm gonna just use it. I was called nigga a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, but today really it impacts young people because they're more aware and more sensitive and they're more compassionate than my generation was 
You know, they they you know they're not fueled with uh, with hate, and you know they they're trying to work on themselves. They're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but you know I talk to my spiritual daughter all the time. They're more sensitive about life and how we're interacting with each other, and that's the important thing. And that is how things are going to change. We're going to change things when we all individually look at ourselves, examine ourselves and start person stop personally indicting everybody because of this and that and we uh, the, the, the 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 emotions that we call the emotions that, are, that I call them the tragic emotions the, the tragic things of envy and jealousy and, and and hate and all these things that they're tragic because they produce tragic things in our lives you know they, they produce divisions and stuff like that so that's right. what I'm well put, Tommy. Uh, Daryl, what 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 would you like people to reconsider, or what closing thoughts do you have? Well, I, I want to go back and kind of just um, collect some of the the conversation we've had, Gene. You know, we I, I believe I hope that the audience believes that nor Tom or myself have an axe to grind. Um, we didn't talk about the food because we think that we deserve better. We didn't talk about the the conditions of prison because, you know, I just want you to know that I hope that if people have connected to what we've said tonight, that they would become proactive enough and intentional enough to get involved, to try to see difference come, come about. Uh, our organization is part of Kentucky Smart Justice. And, um, and so we're, all about uh, trying to get into the arena to have a voice and say, listen, can, uh, taxpayers, you have power, you have, a, you have a voice and you have some authority. Listen to what's happening, get involved because you can change what's happening. Uh, if you choose to sit still, don't complain about the taxes that you have to pay to lock people up. Uh, we've locked people up from the beginning and we've got, we've had the get tougher on crimes bill. We've had all these things, 85%. We've changed the game so many times that there is no playbook now. Um, and it has been proven that what we're doing does not work. It does not work. There has to be a different game changer. It has, has to be a different playbook, Gene. And and I hope that uh, I know that Tom and I are making an impact, but my goodness, we're just two people with, with, you know, big organizations and big hearts. And a lot of momentum and a lot of impact, but there's so much more that needs to be done. So I, my prayer is that people would uh, would listen and get involved and 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 require the corrections in their state, the corrections cabinet in their state, some accountability. All right, sounds good. Hey, Tommy Payne, Daryl Davis, I love you guys. Uh, I really am glad. Uh, I'm very glad, Tommy. I first got to meet you. Uh, thank you to your brother Daryl for that, and then having met. Uh, uh, Daryl. And um, so I, I appreciate your uh, honesty. And um, I know we're going to be talking again. Thank you, Gene. Peace, God guys. bless. God uh, bless. This concludes part three of a three-part special edition of the Jerry Springer podcast. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time.